Welcome to the Inside the Junior Rain podcast. I'm your host, Ben Frank, and each and every week we give you an inside look on what goes on behind the scenes of a USA Hockey model association, the Junior Rain. We believe in learning, we believe in age-appropriate, long-term athletic development, and we believe we have the responsibility to harness the power of youth sports to create better athletes, better people, closer families, and a better world. Thank you for joining us, and together we can make youth hockey a life-changing experience. Okay, it worked. <laughs> we are alive, and uh, thank you for joining us for episode number 15 of Inside the Junior Rain. We're back. Uh, last two Mondays were uh, Christmas Day and New Year's Day, so hopefully everyone had a great break. Apologize for starting a little bit late today. We've had some uh, connection issues uh, in here with the Wi-Fi and just trying to make sure that we're on and we're straight now so that we're uh, not sideways again but thank you very much for for joining us and uh, good, great to be back after a couple weeks off from the show uh, today Paul and I are, are going to be discussing uh, some mis- biggest misconceptions tips uh, around when when's when's too much hockey what kind of things do we do in the in the breaks whether it's the holiday breaks or in the off season when kids who want to have goals and things like that on their own of, of, of getting better or they love hockey, love coming to the rink, what are some of those things that they should be doing uh, to help help them achieve those goals and help them continue on the, on the track and how can parents support them to do that. So uh, we're going to dive into that in a second here, but while you're, while you're tuning in here, if you could give us a thumbs up or a like in the uh, comments section, let us know you're watching. I'm going to be monitoring the questions here. We had a few questions come in on the live show last time, we were able to answer those right here live, which is, which, is, which is really fun for us to do. And if we do miss your comment or question, we'll be sure to, to go back and, and answer it um, after the show's over. If you're watching us via replay, feel free to enter your comments and your questions there as well, because we'll go back to it before we get to next week's show and answer any questions that you might have there. And if you like what you hear, uh, as always, we really appreciate you sharing uh, the show on your page so that other people can find it as well. Um, Okay, so Paul, just before we dive in, I want to make sure that we're showing right and that uh, you don't have any comments yet (laughs) because we had some connection issues. Looks like we're good. No, that's not the right one. Yeah, looks like we're good. We got uh, Sarah, Jessica, and Lori Lakin already joining us, so thanks for joining us, guys. So Paul, um, your thoughts on uh, breaks in hockey, uh, whether that's like holiday time or off-season, What's important to consider uh, from a parent's or a player's perspective? Yeah, well, great, great questions, and I think there's a lot of, uh, like you said, misconceptions and, and not really understanding. I think the, the couple real key points are um, knowing where you are in that developmental path as a player, right? So what age are you? Yeah. I think the age appropriateness is so critical, especially when you come to the kind of the, the maybe the spring or the summer months and when it's not the traditional hockey season per se. Um, so, you know, knowing your age and knowing, you know, knowing the goals and knowing what's right for that, that player's body is really critical, right? And not, not just their physical, but also their mental, mental part right. or aspect of their, of their body, right? And then I, then I also think then understanding like the right type of training, the right type of hockey. If we're doing hockey, you know, not, and it's at, you know, it's, you know, March, April, May, June, July, August, what does that type of hockey look like? What is that? And we can talk deeper about that. Uh, so I think those are some key real points is, you know, the, you know, to recap age appropriate, knowing where you are on that developmental pyramid or path, 
right? And then making sure you're doing the right things at the right times, right? And I think we talk about that a lot and it's different for every age group, it's different, right? And I, I think there are um, some, you know, un misunderstandings of what the right things are. And then also, you know, there's a lot of outside pressure from the culture, perhaps. Right. And there's also, you know, maybe your son or daughter wants to do this and maybe that's maybe not the best thing for them or vice versa, or maybe you want them to do that, but maybe they don't want to do it. Yeah. So there's that extra internal, external pressure. So I think trying to, you know, dive through all that and understanding of all that is important. So it mirrors a lot of what we talk about a lot of times with, with developing the athletes, right? It comes back to there's, there's a lot of reflection, not just maybe doing, like I said, what the culture, prevailing culture is, or doing what everyone else does or has done. It's coming back, asking your questions like, well, you know, what are, who is who is my kid, right? Uh, boy, girl, age group. How long they've been playing? What their goals are? What do we want to achieve? Uh, having a long-term perspective of it, right? So what what not just the long-term not just the goals of I want to make this team this season or whatever, but the long-term hockey goals and, and healthy uh, in sport and things. And then and then being aware of the things that will help you towards achieving those goals and some of the pitfalls. Uh, to be a, to be to be aware of too, because I've seen a lot of times, unfortunately, you know, parents who get their kids started in hockey, maybe they don't come from a hockey background, or maybe they don't have the experience um, with with youth hockey or or with 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 youth sports even, um, and you know they they they're told different things either by you know by coaches, by uh, programmers, by other parents, by you know kids telling their their kid whatever, and and they maybe get down the wrong path. To something that does that that goes against what they want to achieve. So and they, and they may learn too late that that wasn't actually serving serving their best interests. Yeah, I think if you follow similar principles to that you follow in the fall season per se, is that at younger ages, right? If you start to overtrain and overcompete, that's going to be issues for kids at the twelve and under age group, like ten, eight and under. If you start to do you know, at, you know, increase competition, increase training when they're not ready for it. I think it's 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 you think you think you're helping right and that's when it's gonna be you know then down the road that's when burnout happens right and you know it's it's they don't have the kid doesn't have the ownership of the sport right and and so having the balance of that and then also there's sure there's a lot of kids nine ten years old that love the game and well, all they'll do is want to play great yeah. right but what type of hockey are they playing yeah. in those spring and summer months is important if they're on the ice six days a week and they're traveling all around the globe and it's April 1st, then we have an issue. We have a problem because that long one, financially, that's gonna cost a lot yeah. of money. Two, it's gonna cause burnout. There's gonna be increased pressure when there doesn't need to be that type of pressure. The focus isn't gonna be on development. The focus is gonna be on competition, right? So there's all these different things you can get caught up in doing. Um, but hey, if you have a 10 year old and they wanna play hockey and they wanna play year round, what does that look like? I think is understanding the different types of hockey. Is there roller hockey? Sure. Is there street hockey? Is there shooting pucks in my, uh, on, on my driveway? Sure, that's all good stuff. Is there certain spring programs that are good? And you know, we've done, we, and we can talk about later down about our spring program, why we've developed a certain way, right? right? But there's all these things that you have to take into account. And, and that's why we're here to discuss that stuff. And obviously leaning on people uh, in the organization to, to give you good guidance is important. So a few things to touch on here is right. We have we have we we first we want to establish you know, what do we want right for for our kids. What do we want for our kids, and then what are the right things to do for, to to help achieve those goals. 
and then you know, and then and then the realities, right? The realities of our environment. What what's your financial situation? What's your geographic situation? Do you if you live an hour and a half from the closest rink, um, probably good to take some time off from driving to the rink after school five days a week, you know, during the season, even no matter any age, is there some local, more local things? Do you have other sports that you play, other, other goals and academic goals? Um, and then, uh, and then when, you know, what, how do your other goals play into it? When are tryouts for the next season? And how does that impact your goals for the season? How can you structure a plan? It's just with some intentionality behind it, with some thought behind how do we best help these kids achieve their goals in a healthy, long-term way. And if, and if you do that, if you take the time to really look into that, uh, get, surround, get the right questions answered and reflect on those things, um, you, you, know, you can set your kids up for, for really some long-term success in the sport, not only in that sport, but in the relationship to the sport and their health and their fitness and things like that as well. So I just wanna, so Paul, why is it, so we, we recommend various break periods, right? Like our off-season program is still a break, even when we have off-season activities going on, it's a significant break from in-season things. And when we take blackout weeks at, at, at the holidays and over, over the Christmas and New Year's, yeah. over President's Day week and over, over Thanksgiving week, when we have those breaks in the schedule, why is it important for kids uh, of all ages to take breaks? Yeah, well, I think for me, it's an easy answer, yeah. right? You want those kids you know, pulling at your pant leg to get to the rink, right? And begging to go to practice, right? Yeah. I think if you, if it's just, you know, you go five days a week, 12 months a year to the ice rink, I think it's gonna be wearing on kids at any age, right? Until they're at a certain level, 16, 17, 18 years old, maybe, and they're pursuing junior yeah. hockey and that kind of stuff, even 12 months a year is, is too much, right? right? So I think it's that that passion and that, that want to be there. And, and, and so I think taking healthy breaks is really important for the mental aspect of that but also physically, right? Remember, these kids are learning how to skate, play the game, and grow up in front of our eyes, and hockey is one of the most, maybe the most difficult sport to play. You know, I mean, we can have many arguments over that, but you know, that you have to have the motive to learning how to skate. A lot of other sports, you know, you can run, you can walk, you can play, right? So I think that's understanding that the body needs time to recover, you know, the brain, the mental aspect needs to kind of recover. I think the family needs time to recover too. Yeah. There's a lot of time and commitment. People, mom, dad, whoever's running the rink after work, traffic, all this stuff, they need time to recover, right? And obviously they're gonna use that time to spend together as family. And that's critical. Right. I think for all of us that are in the hockey business, you get so wrapped up in the day to day and go, 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 and all we're doing is working, 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 and all we're doing is practicing, 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 or driving, driving, driving in California. It's t sometimes you just need a break to refresh, regroup. I think it's with anything, and in, 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 in I think it's positive for your health and your well-being is to take a step back, uh, maybe even reflect, right? I think a lot of people reflect after a year's gone by and they mm -hmm. kind of New Year's resolution, whatever, but even taking time during the season when there's a couple day break or weekend break, we don't have a game to reflect and say, you know, we talked about that reverse gap before, right? Of where my kid was, where, yeah. he was where, he, where he was when he started and where he is today and where he wants to get to, and then those are the goals. That's where we are today and the, and the reverse of where they came from. I think those are really important. I think that just that's, gives you some longevity. Yeah. I think if you just go full throttle, 100, 100 miles an hour every day, you, you know, you're going to hit a wall. I, I've done it personally with, with hockey and I've done it personally with my profession as, sure. a, as a hockey director coach um, where you, you get to a point where you, it's almost where you're, you're, it's too much and you, you, know, you take steps back. Yeah. Instead of planning out your, your month or your year, or your week on and making sure it's you're doing the best thing for 
the total picture of your long-term development. And there's the, that intentionality, right? Yeah. Looking at it as a plan and having those scheduled breaks throughout the year so you can stop and refresh. Like you said, maybe you're not, you're not driving as much for a couple of days, you're catching up with some homework, you're being a kid, you're playing with your friends, you're going outside, your family, having a family night, whatever that might be over the holidays times, family dinner at home, those types of things. Rather than maybe at the 10 new level, we schedule some travel tournament. Now yeah. everyone's gonna leave two days before the holiday, two days to get back from this long tournament the whole in their back right into the full season again okay. with no refreshing time no catching up time uh, with the family and things like that and that's what we've seen we, just having that long-term focus and I, I th the reason I see the conflict sometimes is there's a lot of stuff out there about like the 10,000 hour rule sure. and things like that right but 10,000 hours is something to become an expert at it and people get caught up with that short-term like uh, well you got it you got to it's that scarcity of you got to be doing more than the next person but that doesn't mean you have to be doing it with no breaks, right? If you plan it over the long term, that 10,000 hours, you can get there over the long term. You don't have to get there year one. And if you get there in year one and then quit the sport because you're burnt out or you just can't do it anymore, it's just been too much of a strain on the family, financially, driving-wise, time-wise, then there's no, there's no point. The point is we want these kids playing hockey for life. We want them pursuing their goals when it matters the most at the highest levels. And you can get that work done in a way with still scheduling that time off within the season and then having that time off and, and, and out of the season as well. And I think you'll, you, some of the argument from people is, you know, the Tiger Woods model or the yep. Venus Serena Williams model where you just, it's just constant, constant, constant. Sure, those are one out of a million examples that there was success there and was there really success for some of the situations that- Depending people, on how you value success. Right, 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 you know, there's sports success there, right? But th those are those are one in a, you know, like I said, a million things, right? We want to talk about long-term health of the kids and yeah. the families, right? And, and for every one of those, you, yeah. there, there's hundreds of people who have maybe a ruined relationship with sports or a ruined relationship with their parents or and things like that as well. Yeah, I, I just know from my personal experience with growing up with 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 uh, in Edmonton with a lot of good great hockey players. There were some great hockey players at 13, 14 years old. Um, you know, now have no relation to the game. Um, and, and have a negative relationship because they just yeah. simply got burnt out because they were pushed. It's once again, it was a lot of that outside pressure. And you know, the kids that love the game from when they start to play at a younger age and they learn to love it and they do and they're put in the right environment, they're always going to have that love affair with the game and it always means something to them, right? And I think that's the key is that we we sometimes forget how important those younger years are and we make critical mistakes in those years as, as coaches or adults or supervisors or directors, right? Where we put too much on kids right away and it becomes more our agenda than the kids' agenda. And that's when we feel, then that's when there's, you know, that's when the burnout is and that's when kids quit is because then the they didn't have the ownership and they didn't have decision-making power. And then when they become older and they have that decision-making power, you know, they're, they're not gonna make the decision where they wanna be part of the game because it, it wasn't relatable to them and it was forced upon them. I think that's really key. And so understanding just the little things throughout, you know, the fall season, having special sports certain breaks, right, to give people time off. And then once we finish the fall season, you know, what are those spring and summer months look like is really critical. And so Paul, what are, so when you, with these breaks, whether sure. at any time, what are the most important things we want to have a break from, right? Because we talk about 
you know, maybe the, maybe a kid who loves every day is going to shoot pucks every day right. outside in a, or stick handle in the garage or in the basement or whatever. That's fine. We're not saying, no, you're not allowed to do that, sure. right? Or they play street hockey with their buddies. Or they may come to the rink for some things, too. They may come public skate. They may come do some training. They may come do some other things. We do have events in the off-season. But those events we do plan in the off-seasons or breaks, like the holiday camp and things like that, they're very, they have specific purpose. And they are giving a break from some very important things that we absolutely need to take breaks from. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes to, for me, is, is about competition, right? right. Is the over-competition in hockey, right? So, for example, myself, I play competitive tennis up until I was 19 years old, right? And when I, when I had my breaks of hockey, I was competing in tennis, right? Completely different game, right. completely different mental aspects, right? And actually helped me in the long term. So we wanted to develop athletes, like we always talked about. It's really important. So playing multi-sports is critical, right? But also you can keep up in your hockey skills throughout those spring and summer months. And that's why we built programs that you can do that still, where there's some structure, but there's not, Overstructure and there's not over competition. There's not a ton of pressure. I think that's right. the problem. Pressure we run into so much pressure, so much competition at a young age, and at the wrong times is really detrimental for the development of kids. Right, right, and so pre breaks from pressure. Yeah, breaks from competition. Yeah. And then even uh, we talk about the physical break thing too, right? So just depending body. on the age group, right? Body contact, body checking. Not healthy to play 12 months a year of full checking in any sport. Football, hockey. If you're playing every single week, you're getting hit. Purpose, like purposely hit. Not a healthy thing. NHL players wouldn't do that. National team players wouldn't do that. So, right, so some of these things that we want to purposely schedule breaks from, right, are, are those that the pressure, the pressure over, over structure, over pressure, over competition, and overdoing the physical de demands and things. Yeah, and understanding the landscape, right? So we understand that tryouts are in June in California, right? So understanding that we also know that kids can improve their skills, right? right? If, we, if we finish the fall season and basically just do nothing until tryouts, they will not improve their skills, mm -hmm. right? But knowing what types of things to do is really important and make sure, making sure they're, they're positive and they're healthy and they're good for the kids. So there is improvement and positive improvement and they don't waste out that, they don't waste that time, right? Some of the other things we have to consider too is what we, and we do with our, with our programs is that, so we recommend and encourage kids to play other sports, especially in the off season, but even with the, with, with the youth levels up until the BNM midget levels and even there, encourage them even throughout the season to play other sports. Um, and in this, in this day and age, uh, a lot of schools don't have the sports as much or the physical education in their schools. Parents have different work and time commitments and things like that. So sometimes they're not able to be play two sports and get their kids five, six days a week out to some structured, organized sporting event. So then we want kids, okay, they can play outside with their friends and things like that, but they don't do that as much anymore either. So those opportunities aren't there. So even with our programs in the season and our programs in the spring and summer season, we have the off-ice programming, right? We're talking about adding floor ball yeah. to the to the, to the three and three sessions this year, where so it's, it's like a street hockey type thing yeah. where they're running and making those changes of direction. Those multi-sport opportunities are important. We highly encourage people to do that. We try to make it a part of our program so that we're helping deliver what the kids need the most. And we're doing that, we're doing that during the season as well with the off-ice programming. Yeah, and I saw a neat thing from a parent is they, they got one of those stepper kind of the watch things. Uh, yeah, cool. And they had it scheduled where the kid 
had to get 60 minutes of exercise for that day, mm -hmm. right? So it was a goal for every day for the kid to have 60 minutes of exercise. So I thought that was a neat way mm -hmm. as a parent to have some monitor, but also have some some kind of a kid striving to reach a goal, right? So any little things or little tips like that, I think that are important to keep our, we want to be active, right? I think I think the, the science shows that to be a healthy, you know, human is there's activity, especially at the younger ages, that these kids are sponges, right? And they're they're so open to learning that we provide the right environments for them to learn. As we, like, if we're talking about young kids and we're focusing on travel tournaments, you know, in, in April, May, and June and traveling all over the world and benching kids for losing a hockey game in April, uh, you know, then it's going to be a short career for them, right. right? And it's just not the best thing for the kids. If, if they're coming to the rink and they, you know, go to a skill session once a week or twice a week where they play some three-on-three, and it's fun and they're having a lot of great time and they're improving that way, that's, that's a healthy way to do it. You know, some of the examples that we did during the season I think is a great example of what we've done with the, with the you know, after, after Christmas, right? The holiday camp is, you know, in years past we would always do a, a tournament, right? So the, now it's Christmas and at the older ages there's certain events that they have to go to. They went to the Max Midget Tournament, which is a big event for the midget players, which is highly recommended, right? But at the younger ages, right, the, you know, two days before, two days after Christmas, they're traveling or spending all this money. No, you know, they're, they're and they're missing out on seeing a kid at Christmas or Hanukkah or you know, in the holiday exactly, time, right? Holiday and times. then they come to this camp and they do a bunch of things with their buddies, two day thing after Christmas, and then they're done and they have some time off. So I think that we've made some adjustments um, in, in having understanding that landscape and understanding what's best for the kids. So just help summarize. So some of the things that. When we do, when we are doing hockey type activities in break times, right? Some of the things we want to we want to allow for, not just, and this is what we try to do in our program, but for every for all parents out there or programs out there, as far as the types of things we want to offer in break times, right? We want we we mentioned fun, which we want to come to the rink, have fun with friends, like see their buddies, that type of stuff. We want acti activity, right? So so it's more skills focused, um, and we'll talk about some of the things we don't want in a minute here. Uh, we want it to be creative. We want there to be opportunities to be creative and try things. So, for example, in our in our in our and we do off season three on three or four on four, not full games, because we want them to get a lot of chances to go through your legs, do a spinorama, like try new things, play. Don't play a position, right? So that you can't really play a position in three on three or four on four. At least you shouldn't be you're not playing D or forward. You're just you're playing. So you're being creative. You're having fun. You're seeing your buddies. You're having lots of activity. You're not just, you know you're standing around and things like that. Um, and those are the types of things, and 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 in a safe and in a safe environment as well as physically. And we want to be doing multi-sport activities, the athletic development activities. Uh, so, like I said, there's not a lot of I think uh, hockey programs out there that will tell you go play other sports. We want the kids to go play other sports as much as possible, and and also uh, get some of that with our with our programs here. Yeah, and I think the end goal is to create hockey players and create kids that have a good relationship and families. That have a great relationship with the game, mm -hmm. right? So if we were if we're just focused on the short term, you know, it may last a couple of years where you could you know go 100 miles an hour and do everything in, in a year, but it's not going to be long term, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's important is that the focus is on creating, you know, that long term development. And the best way to get that 10,000 hours or whatever is to be is to be play hockey for life, right? Yeah. If you play if if you play if you're going to play hockey from you know from whatever you started at a young age all the way up and you love hockey, you're gonna get that. Because the stuff sticking at home and stuff, that all counts towards it too. Mm -hmm. The watching the games on TV and watch, all that stuff counts. So if you have a healthy relationship to hockey and you play it for your life and your career, then you're gonna, you're, and you really love it and you wanna get better, then you're gonna get there. 
Uh, the problem is a lot of people burn out early and they never get there or they, they, they continue playing, but they, it's, they don't love it. So they're not doing that extra stuff at home or they're not wanting to do the extra stuff as, when it, when, as they get older, when it matters most. And you know, the, you mentioned a couple people that kind of, uh, you grew up with playing that were maybe high-end players yeah. and over pressure, maybe over commitments and things like that. And that the, the, the sad thing is that you said that no relationship to the game anymore at all. And the sad thing there is, with, when you do that and you don't make it, like maybe if they made $10 million a year right now, maybe they'd be happy with the sport, sure. or at least for, for what the sport's giving them. But when you don't make it or you quit, now, now hockey's a failure. Now you're a failure and your relationship with the sport is, is just negative. And then, you know, if your parents pushed you and things, there's a strain there. Versus if we have a healthy relationship with the sport, we just love it for life. If you make the NHL, you love the sport. And if you don't make the NHL, you love the sport and your kids are gonna play it and you're gonna maybe help coach and you're gonna maybe get a career in it or whatever all these things and it can do all these great things for your life at the highest levels and at the recreational levels. Right, and we talked about that before, Ben, right? Is that if you're so stuck on being a hockey player and that's what defines you and mm -hmm. actually the, the character of who you are should define you, right? And that's why you know, if you lose a hockey game or you, you fail at something, not letting it define you and, and that's what you see when those kids aren't the top players now yeah. right and that because they're a failure because they're, they're right? they've always been the top player and they that's how they were defined right oh i'm the best peewee player the best bantam player and that's how they define versus themselves. a great teammate a hard yeah. worker or someone who loves yeah. the game right these types of things and, and that's why there's so many stories of kids that played on b teams and weren't the best players or was the 600th draft choice in any sport and have made it Mm -hmm. Right, because of that, their perseverance, that grit, the commitment, the dedication, the heart, the passion, all those things, and they, they kept at it, they kept at it, they kept at it. And, and there's so many great success stories of that. Great. Okay, so now, just for the last, we only have about five or six minutes left here, to the dark side of things. Um, what are some of the things that people should watch out for and be aware of? Um, I just, you know, to share, to share a story that. Uh, uh, from when I first started coaching in ice hockey, I was helping. I came in late to the season. I was helping out coach a ten, eight and under team. I think it was eight, eight and under ten. I'm pretty sure it was eight and under. Um, there was a coach that was leading that team. I won't mention their name. And they, I had helped. They had a playoff game. They got knocked out of the playoffs. And we came in the locker room after the kids were down. And so the the, the speech after the game. Uh, this is before we took over the club. Before I took over the club, was. You know, we, we didn't do, do as well as we wanted. We need to get do better for next year. You know, go around one by one and kind of like, hey, Jamie, you know, we got to work in the off season. Like none of that silly baseball stuff, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and put in all, right away pressure on these kids to get rid of everything else and commit completely to getting back as a team and working out in the off season towards a, as a team to have more success the following year. So. Uh, tremendous amount of pressure, uh, making them choose uh, to be to hockey over everything else in their life, not do other things, which ultimately will hurt their development in hockey as an athlete as well, and burnout, and just a lot of uh, a lot of negative things there. So uh, we talk about pressure, avoiding the pressure. So not just pressure of competition, like being in games all the time, win or lose, but also pressure from people that things that don't feel right, things that don't maybe serve serve your child's or your goals pressure to do things because of other reasons is a big one 
Yeah, like that—that's the 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 crazy thing, right? If you sports when it's done wrong, there's 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 you know people are affected by this, yeah. right? Kids' lives are changed if you sports is done the wrong way, right? And you know you you can look back on how many of those where are those kids now, right? And some persevere through it, mm-hmm. and some are casualties, right? And there's statistics, right? Now they're not part of the game; they don't have a relationship with the game, or they they hate whatever they hate the game or they hate that coach they hate the day there's there's so much of this anger built up because of all of the expectation we're putting adult expectations on eight-year-olds right and it just doesn't if you take a step back it doesn't make any sense right that's there's just not education there right and the, you know whether the coach could be a great person but not understand what's best for kids at that age and that's why the first thing i said today was understanding age appropriate it's always got to be age appropriate no matter what all the time I think anything you do from from school to, to athletics, it has to be age appropriate. I think that's the biggest thing. If you have that, right, and then you you understand, you learn doing the right things for the kids, right. So you're doing the right things for the kids at the right ages, right. If you have those couple couple things, right, kid loves the game, kid has a growth mindset. Um, you know, I, I think if you have those couple things all in line, it gives the kid the opportunity to succeed. Awesome. And whatever that, wherever, and wherever they want to take it, right? And, and some kids will be able to play at the junior college level. Some kids will just love the game and become a coach one day and teach their kid how to skate. Yeah. And those are all wins, right? So right. It's, it's having the perspective of that. And it can help them beyond being hockey, beyond in school and other yeah. sports in their career and those things too. So we can be a win. We can have success for all the kids. And not just the ones who you know who've made the NHL, right? Uh, so just some some things to be aware of when you're thinking about break time or your off-season program, whether you're with the Junior Rain or you're in New York right now. Um, some things to be aware of for the off-season: high uh, high amounts of gameplay instead of skills development or unstructured creative play like a three-on-three or cross-ice hockey or things like that. So again, just just to, just to clarify here with games, <clears throat> not only do we usually have larger rosters, then what are, there's less activity of skill development. There's, there's less people on the ice, there's less pucks, right? There's more structure, there's more positional play, um, and there's more pressure to win those games. So you're, we, we talked about a lot of times with the uh, practice activity tracker, the amount of puck touches and skill development you're gonna get in the game compared to a, a skill session or a three and three type thing is way less. So that's one on the skill development. If you're off season, if, if you do wanna get better for tryouts and things like that, we want to emphasize skill development over gameplay. There's the results of games in the spring and summertime at the young levels are not going to get players or teams any further like exposure or credibility for scouts or things like that. It's all about getting better as players and for the long term, which is that healthy balance and improving your skills, right? So and also uh, increased amount in the game. There's increased amount of physical play, especially at the levels with checking and things like that which can lead to you know, more concussions and, and things like that if you're doing a lot of that in the off season. So we wanna be aware of too many games, of structured real games in the off season versus creative or skill development play. We wanna be aware of travel, over, over amounts, unnecessary amounts of travel. So really, right, in youth hockey, the only reason to travel should be <clears throat> when there's a reason for it. Maybe like, a, for example, at the peewee level is, peewee double A level would be the youngest level that we have a travel event and that's only because it's a league uh, state run Kaha weekend for example. So that's part of their league and that's, it's within California, it's yeah. you know, maybe up north. 
uh, at the and you mentioned 18 AAA level. Our 18 AAA team went to the MAC tournament in Alberta over Christmas time, which is a high elite tur event with a lot of scouts and things like that. And a lot of those players are players on our team, and those other teams will go on to play junior hockey. Yep. Which so there's a specific reason for it to do it at. Uh, like you said in May for an 11 year old team to go to Chicago the reason should just be because you're if you do something like that because your family it's fun and maybe you have family in Chicago and you want to go for a vacation cool like if people want to do that sure. totally fine but pressure for a whole group of families to do that when financially it's a strain and these types of things or there's pressure on kids to go and perform and take time off school and these types of things at young ages not the, not the right reason yeah I think any any time <clears throat> from March to to August, if you can limit the and this is my personal opinion, if you can limit the amount of full ice games yep. and you can eliminate, you know, keep those to a handful, you know, I'd say under ten probably. Yeah. And the amount of tournaments you play, and you play the odd tournament for fun, and you, you know, that your kind of thing, and stuff, yeah, yeah, for the experience, I think that's that's the key. But yeah. uh, limit that as much as possible during those spring summer months. I think you'll you'll see growth in the individual if you do the you know the half ice cross ice. Those kind of things, high puck touches, three on threes, four on fours. You'll see, well, you'll create a hockey player out of that, right? Mm -hmm. And for the long term, I think so. I think that focus on the skill development uh, is, and the hockey sense is, it really should be continual through the whole year. Mm -hmm. But it's it's easy to get swayed, right? So I think having the focus, refocusing on those kind of the spring summer months is important to understand that. And then, and, and with the three on threes and things like that too, we want to create skill players. We want to create goal scorers. You may play, if you play 20 tournament games in the offseason and you're a defenseman, mm -hmm. you may score one goal or something <laughs> like that the entire offseason. Sure. You may come to play th in your stay-at-home defenseman or something. Yeah. You may you come and play three and threes all spring and summer, you may score 100 goals, <laughs> right? Which is just, it's just different, you know? And, and, it's, and, and it's a nice, you're, you're, you can always come back and be a stay-at-home defenseman when the yeah. season starts again, you know what I mean? And now you're going to be better for it because you, you've been able to develop well, those skills a little bit. And, and there's a simple example in a game, right? Is you can, you can teach any kid to dump the puck. Yeah. I hit the red line, I can dump it in. You can teach anyone to do that at any age, right? But can you teach a guy to read the play, beat a guy, Try to take them on the blue line, beat with speed, right? Those are the things that we don't want to beat out of kids. We, that's why we don't want to over, over structure. We don't want to over competition kids at certain ages, right? And that those are really those are the skills down the road, right? Where they are going to need those to be able to play because as they get older, they progress to the highest levels. You can teach a certain system, right? A two-one-two forecheck or a one-two-two. All these different systems. You can teach a kid how to dump the puck in. So there's many examples of that, right? Even with AU and offsides and all that stuff. When they're ready, you can teach those things, and those are be, those are taught very easily. Let's not take all the creativity out of our kids at a young age. Right. And one final just thought on, on things to be aware of: anytime someone is for the younger ages, especially if someone is telling you something for your kid that is serving their own interests or their own egos or their own agendas versus what's best for your kids, and there's putting pressure on you. Like I said, maybe you have to go to this travel tournament um, in the off season, otherwise you're not gonna be a, have a chance to make this team next year, or you have to do you know, things like that, that that are not focused around helping you achieve your kids' goals, major red flag, right? Um, of course, everyone has their, their programs and their offerings of, of, of activities and teams, but we wanna, we, we, for parents, uh, you want to be focused on your kids' goals and, and have those, and so people surround yourself with people that, that are willing here to support those goals. And, and sometimes people get stuck in feeling that pressure and not knowing what to do. But if, if you're in that environment, 
um, it's not going to get better uh, until you until you until you make those decisions to support to get surround yourself with people that support your kids' goals and their their best interest. Yeah, great. yeah, no, I think those are great points. I think it's it's important if you don't know, yeah, to ask. To ask. I, I yeah. think that's really important. I think for anything we do in life is if you don't understand or you need guidance, uh, ask someone that you trust, right? And, and that's important is getting those guidance and, and trust from people that've been here. You know, people that understand what player development is, understand what age appropriate player development is. I, I think not everyone understands that, right? So making sure you find someone that understands that. Right, and then has some experience in doing that and moving kids through the system, right? And developing healthy uh, kids and players, right? And then also someone that's been there as, you know, it helps as, as a player, right? And experience some of the negatives that we talked about, right? And a lot of us that we've experienced as, a, as players and as coaches, some yeah. of the dark side of youth sports, right? And having that, having that perspective on, hey, we've been there, we've made that mistake, or I saw that, that guy did that. And, and long-term, he didn't get any further, or actually yeah. it, it backfired, right? So I, I think talking to and getting guidance and asking questions is really critical. Okay. Awesome, thanks Paul, and thanks everyone for watching. As always, we really appreciate you letting us know uh, in the comment section, even if you're just watching the show, give us a thumbs up, say hey guys, and if you have questions or comments, uh, please feel free as well. We'll get to those, uh, whether you're watching live or on the replay. If you could share the episode, we really appreciate it. We uh, enjoy talking to you guys and enjoy sharing the, uh, sharing the message as, as far as we possibly can beyond the, the junior reign uh, parents or coaches and families. Uh, so thanks very much. We're back next Monday for episode number 16 of Inside the Junior Reign. And stay tuned to our Facebook for those announcements, and we'll all talk to you guys then.